Well, 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 welcome to episode one of Raising Kane, our encyclopedic exploration burning down the career of the second greatest character in professional wrestling history. We appreciate you joining us for another round of Big Red Banter. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the Canaanites, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner and my wrestling buddy, Travis White. Travis, we've been putting people on that we're doing this Undertaker podcast for 42 episodes, and now we can finally get to what we've really wanted to talk about all this time, match by match and exploration of the big red machine, Kane's career. Are you ready to get this started? Dude, this is my favorite flavor of cinnamon gum, Big Red. I am excited to get down and break and, and add more Canaanites to our, our clan here and break down the Big Red Machine's career because, yeah, it took 42 episodes and now we're finally here where we really want to break everything down. Yeah, but I mean, I guess now that I'm saying it out loud, I just, I, I don't know if I can do it yet. I We've just, we spent 42 episodes talking Taker and... There's just so much more yet to come. There's so much great stuff on the horizon. I I think we just got to go back to our original plan, don't you? Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe one day we can we can raise Kane, but although that was my least favorite chicken joint in Augusta. Oh, now we're going to start a fight. <laughs> now we're going to disagree on something here. Oh, man. For those of you out there, Zaxby's number one. Raising Kane's number two. All right. Anyway. Before um, you say yeah, any more nonsense, Kane. let me... <laughs> Let's do this right. Okay. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 43 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the dead man. We appreciate you joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am one of your hosts, Alex Dorio, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined, as always, by my wrestling buddy, Travis White. And we are here, not quite raising cane, although we're going to talk quite a good bit about The Undertaker's brother, but we're here to talk about... In Your House, D-Generation X, The Undertaker versus Jeff Jarrett. And Travis, I've got two words for this show and this match. Oh, man. It sucks. What could they possibly be? Yeah, it sucks. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it does. Uh, we're going to try to make some uh, chicken salad here out of this uh, buildup and these episodes of Raw and stuff. But, um... Yeah, this episode could probably be about two minutes long because the build-up to this match is very short uh, to the point, and the match is very short to the point. But we're going to add a little bit more flavor to this chicken salad here and uh, see if we can make something entertaining for you listeners out there. Well, you know, I even thought, after watching it and going through the build-up, I thought, man, is this even worth an episode? Are we going to be able to to do anything with it? Should we just combine this with Royal Rumble 98 or something like that? But, you know, the more I thought about it and looking at some of the buildup, I do think, as trivial as the match itself is, it, this whole season, this, this two months, and this, even the storyline of the match, it's an important part of the evolution of The Undertaker's character, which is what, you know, what our whole podcast is all about, what we came here for, not just to review right. these matches, but to talk about this evolution. And we're really going to see a side of The Undertaker over these few weeks that we're going to discuss that we've never seen before. As you've often said uh, over the past few months, he's becoming more human, more human than human, if you will. And here, I will. (laughs) I know you will. Uh, (laughs) We're going to see The Undertaker show some emotions that we've never seen, show some fear, show some doubt, show some compassion, show some brotherly love and affection. We're going to see layers of this Undertaker character that we've never seen as he interacts with uh, with his brother, Kane, one of the great, uh, what I like to call, spinoff characters of all time. And I kind of love spinoff characters in wrestling, like, uh, like Hardcore Holly spun off Crash Holly and Molly Holly developed out of him, and Big Boss Man had... Nails and the Mountie come out of him, and the Undertaker. Oh, I thought you were about to say Bobby Cannon. 
Oh, he had him too. That's how he came in. That's right. That's right. Draws had Prince Albert. Great. You said great spinoff characters. Well, that's the whole idea with Kane is that (laughs) a lot of times it's cheesy and stupid and silly and it doesn't work. But with Kane, I mean, it's one of... It's another home run. It's a home run. Yes. It's one of the great surprises of wrestling that actually pays off. I mean, it's so rare to have a character last for, for 20 years and then to have that character beget another character that goes in and has almost and well not quite an equal but i mean almost just as good of an impact on the on the wrestling world it's incredible man and and there is quite a bit to talk about on this episode yeah there really is we're you know all jokes aside there is a lot to, to, to squeeze out of this lemon that we've been handed here on episode 43 um but again most of it's kind of story base when it comes to Undertaker's evolution it's not really built into this Jeff Jarrett match here because as we'll talk about in a minute he's just coming he's just coming back into WWF um here so he uh he's been around he's been gone for two years but we're gonna get to that in just a minute but um but yeah we uh we'll try to do what we can here to make it uh to to bring you guys up to speed and to see what's going on again as we flip the pages in this next chapter of the Undertaker's book here um now that Kane has debuted um now we'll see, you know, how the story how the story goes from here. And to everyone out there listening, uh, we'll go ahead and and I'm sure you've already noticed that the audio might sound a little bit different on this episode. Uh, we spent a good amount of time beforehand trying to get some microphone issues, Skype issues worked out, and eventually now we're just on the phone, recording a phone call straight into the microphone. So uh, we hate it. Uh, so we're we apologize <laughs> for it, but you know we want to. Continue getting the episodes out every Friday, and uh, both Travis and I, like we've mentioned many times, we wish this was our full-time job, but it's not, so uh, we're doing what we can to get these episodes out, squeezing time in with our families to to crank these episodes out, so we're recording it. Uh, We know you guys support us and understand that we're not professionals with it, uh, and we will do our best to get everything back and running to the higher quality for next week's episode, so appreciate everyone out there uh, understanding. And hopefully it yeah, sounds okay. Absolutely. And also, I'd like to just apologize as I listen back to our episodes. Um, apparently, I've been having like a gauntlet match with these um, allergies here in East Tennessee. <laughs> so I'm sniffing all over the place. Uh, I thought I was having a two out of three falls match, but apparently it's, it's more than that. So anyway, <laughs> my apologies for the sniffing. Hopefully it clears up soon. An Iron Man match. <laughs> yeah, I guess I am having an Iron Man match. Oh, Anyway. Speaking of Iron Man, that has nothing to do with this, but, man, the <laughs> night before here on at Bad Blood, man, we had that crazy Hell in a Cell match, and we're going to get here uh, to Raw 228, which is the night after. It's a crazy episode of, of Monday Night Raw. Again, as we mentioned last last week, Brian Pillman had passed away on the night of Bad Blood. Um, so this is th- this is the night where they have that uncomfortable interview with his, with his widow. Like, did you watch that? Uh, I did not watch it on this go through. I have seen it before, and yeah, yeah, it's you know, like like as I mentioned in the last episode, you know, this was the first time that they'd really experienced this death of somebody yeah. on the roster, and I will cut them a little bit of slack in that they just didn't know how to handle it. You know, it was shocking, it was weird. Uh, they, I don't. I don't know. It's very uncomfortable to watch. It does not age well, but no. I don't think anybody was in their right headspace and frame of mind, so I cut them a little bit sure. of slack oh, on yeah. that. But yeah, it's very strange. It's just weird. But um, yeah, so it's kind of a Brian, it's not a Brian Pillman tribute night where they're, you know, every match is dedicated to him. There's still storyline stuff, but they do have some little talking head segments and stuff like that, and then an interview with his wife or his widow. Um, but yeah, man, there's some some DX again. DX is in full fledged uh, mode here, although they're not called DX just quite yet. But um, we get. I think believe this is this the first night where Sean gets called a degenerate by Brett. I believe. Yeah, Bret Hart calls him a degenerate yeah. in a promo. You know, everyone all night. Yeah, DX shows the uh, uh, Madison Square Garden incident on camera yeah, in a promo. Everyone is just. Straight shooting, man. I, that's what I wrote down in my notes. Everyone is just uh, seeming they're blowing kayfabe out the window. Uh, Jim Cornette 
does one of his famous shoot promos in the show. It's just, I th- we were texting about this back and forth. It's like every episode of Raw for the next few months has something iconic on it. Yeah. Just every episode has something like, oh, it's that episode. Oh, it's that moment. It's that promo. It's that match. And it's just, whew, it, it's a lot to take in. It's wild. Yeah. Because when you watch like recaps of you know twenty five years of Raw or whatever, you, you see all these clips and it's like, oh man, that probably, but like that, that probably took place over a span of several months. Well, yeah, it did. But it, it, one thing after another, one week after another, is something iconic, iconic, iconic. It's really cool to see as we go back and watch this stuff. But um, yeah, that that Jim Cornette shoot interview is very strange, <laughs> but it's it's awesome. I love it. It's like it's, it sounds exactly like him doing a shoot today. But anyway, this is not Cornette's Corner, but this is uh, Talking Taker. So um, no Undertaker here on this night after, because, again, the night before, he was just taken out by his brother Kane. You know, he'd, he'd come face-to-face with him for the first time in 20 years, which remember that, folks. Um, and then anyway, um, we do get somebody else here, though. So let's talk about who else shows up here. A couple of young studs the, in the ring. The Hardy Boys are in the ring. <laughs> scheduled to face the truth commission and in a true tragedy we will not get to see that match because instead in an iconic moment kane comes out and just murders the hardy boys along with paul bear he begins this reign of terror that's going to go through the next few months of raw where he's picking off different people every single week uh, and we're not, you know, I don't know if we're going to go through every single Raw. We're going to try and condense some of this stuff since it doesn't sure. all involve The Undertaker here. But it's it's really cool. The, the, you know, the way that's done, the lights go out, and uh, then Kane's music hits. And it's funny because it, it was a different time back then. You know, the internet was around, but it was definitely in the dark ages. Of the, you know, a lot of people did not have the internet, and you didn't always go on there you know to get the live pay-per-view results at that time um, you could but there wasn't a lot of people doing it so pretty much to know pay-per-view results you had to watch the pay-per-view so yeah there was on- there would only be a small section of people who saw Kane debut who would recognize his music and what was happening but when Kane comes out man the crowd is into it and Kane is over so like I, I don't know it's just something about him and his presence and that whole segment that got people talking that got over really really quick because Kane is just in it from the beginning he's over from the beginning and he's into his character and he knows what he's doing from the beginning too much like The Undertaker yeah it's funny because they're I mean they're kayfabe brothers but it's almost like they really are because they you know they get it from the get-go you know I mean God bless Glenn Jacobs he's been through you know uh, fake Diesel and Isaac Yankum, and now here he is with something that actually matters. And again, it's it's the months and months of buildup that we've had to his arrival. You know, I mean, because imagine if there had been one vignette the week before that he interrupted like the Headbangers and the Godwins, no one would have cared. It's because he interfered in a high-profile main event, you know, the night before that people actually care about it. So, um, something to be said for that storytelling there. Absolutely. And uh, there's some great storytelling here by Paul Bearer, who cuts this, this, you know, we've we talked a lot about how amazing Paul Bearer was. He cuts a great promo here. And he promises that Kane is going to blow through the entire roster until the Undertaker fights him. That he's going to be the Undertaker's worst nightmare. Um, and he makes a threat that, again, Paul Bear is going to make good on that threat as well. It's crazy the stuff he's saying here. And did you catch when he talks about, you know, he said when you looked in his eye, you knew that was him. And he says, and he says the word I because he says he only has one eye. He's missing an eye. Yeah, is what Paul Bear says. Yeah, he says Kane is missing an eye, which, I mean, I know he always had like a white contact in later on in life, but I guess I never saw this, you know, this next night after Bad Blood when they, uh, when they said that. I mean, he, I guess that was part of the story was that he had 
one eyeball. So right, who knew? he said he's missing an eye, and it's your fault, Undertaker. And yeah. yeah, I mean, he kept that going. I don't think he still does it, but he kept it going for a long time. He wore that contact in his eye for like for years and years and years and years. Yeah, because they never said it was like a glass eye. I'm interested as we follow the story to see when they, you know, acknowledge that. He literally does have an eyeball on his head. He maybe just can't see out of it. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, again, blaming, uh, blaming Undertaker for everything. And yeah, just you know, you're gonna see your brother every time you close your eyes, and you're gonna remember the fire that you burned him in. And um, yeah, we're gonna just go through everybody, like you said, until I get until you, you know we'll fight him. So. Well, the next person Pretty- on the path of destruction, and I, I do want to just mention something about this one real quick. Is uh, the next week on Raw. On October 13th, Flash Funk is scheduled to face Shawn Michaels. That's the match that's supposed to happen. And yeah, Kane does his interruption here. Oh, dude, that would probably be a great match, actually. <laughs> uh, Kane interrupts, and, and the announcers are putting it over huge here. They're doing a great job of selling this. Flash Funk is selling it big time. He's got a huge look of fear on his face. And two things happen here. Uh, so for the first time... Kane's red lights stay on through the entire segment, which would become a big part of his gimmick for a while. All the just the glowing red lights, giving that hue over everything he does. And then, which was then be stolen by Sankara in 2011 or whatever, right? Yeah, he had the yellow lights when he fought. <laughs> and it's not. It's. It's one thing to do it during these segments. It's not great for it to happen during the match, which right, exactly. we'll talk about here in a second. But yeah. Okay, did you catch this? That uh, first of all, a referee came out when Kane came out there, and then the bell rang when Kane yeah. started beating Flash <laughs> Funk up. So was this officially his first match? Uh, you know what? I don't know because I was wondering the same thing. Because yeah, I was like, he's supposed to face Sean, and why is the ref coming out? Um, as if I had no idea. But yeah, I heard the bell ring, and then. I didn't know if it was supposed to be the bell to like, you know, ding, 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 let's get this over with and get out of here. But it just rang three times, I think, like normal. So right. I don't know. But, you know, if so, he should have lost by count out. Right? I, I guess, yeah, count out or no contest because it never rings <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, although Shawn yeah. Michaels does come out after Kane has destroyed Flash Funk and he goes and pins <laughs> Flash Funk just to be a jerk, which is perfect Shawn Michaels right there. Yeah. I think Hunter counts the pinfall, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's just, it's perfect. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I guess on a technicality, you know, Kane uh, went went to a no contest with Flash Funk in his first <laughs> match. So, oh, yeah, that's episode one of, of uh, Raising Kane, ladies and gentlemen. See you later. Right there. So, ashes to ashes. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, you don't know what that means yet. Paul Bear here comes out uh, again. He 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 gives this promo about you know we're gonna take away everything that you've dreamed of. Um, Anything you've accomplished here, we're going to take it away. And he says, a human eye and human ear have never seen or heard what Kane's going to do. So really putting over Kane's destruction and what he's going to cause Undertaker. And says, you know, we're going to destroy everyone until you meet us face to face. Rest in peace. And then he coins his new phrase, the he being Paul Bear. And he just yells, And Undertaker, you will never rest in peace. Ashes to ashes! That's it. No dust to dust. No. He just yells ashes to ashes. And I just wrote, like, is that a new catchphrase? Because I love it. Oh, and it is, because he will keep doing it for a little while. He tries to get it over. <laughs> it doesn't quite hit the same level of rest in peace. But, you know, right. God bless him for trying. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I love it, man. It was great. He just yelled out of nowhere. I did not see it coming, so I loved it. <laughs> Well, so that's two weeks in a row without The Undertaker on TV. Two weeks with Kane trying to get his attention. Undertaker does show up the next week on October 20th on Raw, episode 230. And he doesn't show up in the arena. He's backstage cutting a promo here saying, For 20 years I've walked the earth covered in a dark cloud. Going back to this history that he's had of his long-lost brother. And he says on that night at Bad Blood, you know, I saw the brother that I lost forever, that I thought I lost forever, who was standing before me. uh, And that when I looked into his eyes, I saw a demon. And Paul Bearer, you've poisoned him. But, and here's the important part. 
But however you've poisoned his mind and whatever you've told him of his older brother, it doesn't matter. For I will never fight my own flesh and blood. I will never fight Cain. So Cain is doing all this destruction to get a piece of the Undertaker, but the Undertaker says he will not fight him. What do you think of this? Man, you know what? It's like, um, again, as I'm a huge Batman mark as well, Batman's one rule, right, is that I'll never kill. But, you know, as the Joker plods him along, you know, through the comic books, or even, like, The Dark Knight is a great example of the movie. You know, he tries to get him to kill or blames the death of, you know, uh, Harvey or his girlfriend uh, on, you know, on Batman. Uh, so I just think it's cool. Like, Batman's never going to uh, kill a Joker or anything, but Joker pokes and prods as much as he can to get him to do it. And um, we saw how that turned out. But, yeah, that's kind of my nerd in me went to that. Um, I love that. I love the whole, you know, because whatever Kane's destruction, he can always – validate it and say what's well, undertaker's fault you know because again a heel is a good heel if there's a little bit of truth in what he's saying you know yeah it's great storytelling i never realized we'd get so much batman comparisons to the undertaker <laughs> here but it works you know it really it does. does work uh it reminded me a lot of bret hart and owen hart's build to their initial feud a few years before this too it's same uh, thing brett yeah said he would never fight Owen. And it's a great piece of wrestling psychology is that you're denying what the fans want to make them want it even more. Instead of just doing Undertaker and Kane at the December pay-per-view, which you know we've seen happen so many times where these feuds that could be extended for so long, they just blow them off in a month or two. But Undertaker is not going to give the fans the match that they want. And so Kane's going to keep coming out, and Undertaker's going to keep saying no until finally he can't have it anymore, and it's going to make it even bigger when they finally do go after each other at WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect perfect wrestling psychology. You're right. And um, no matter who booked that, or uh, Pritchard, I think Pritchard said the whole plan was to lay it out to WrestleMania, or Cornette maybe did that, but I think Russo wanted to do it, get it over with sooner, whatever. Thank God they did what they did, because it worked out to, for the favor of, of Taker and Kane, and for us fans, you know? We, we wanted it. We wanted more. So, I love it. So, instead of The Undertaker, Kane is going to end up fighting Mankind in his first pay-per-view match, and that gets started on this same episode as... Kane comes out and does his routine as Dude Love is scheduled to face the British Bulldog. Uh, and this time, Dude Love actually attacks Kane first when Kane comes out. Yeah. Clotheslines him over the top, and Kane does something cool here. He does the perfect 10 cell, as we call it, when uh, Undertaker goes over the top and lands on his feet. Kane does it right here, just like his brother, and the announcers actually notice it and call it out as well. Uh, but Kane does get the upper hand. He choke slams Dude Love on the entryway two times. And uh, this, like, like I said, this is the first time we've seen anybody fight back against Kane, but it's still not enough. And the show actually goes yeah. off the air with a promo from Mankind backstage. After Dude Love has been attacked, Mankind responds and says, you know, if The Undertaker has any qualms against fighting his brother, rest assured that Mankind has no concerns. Because if it was my own <laughs> sweet grandmother who dropped Mankind on his head, I would take her down. So I'm going to fight Kane anywhere, anytime. Uh, have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. How perfect, uh, though, yes. man. The guy who got Undertaker over, or, or the, yep. the guy who Undertaker got over, right. Mankind, is now going to kind of return the favor for Kane. Yeah, it's great. Again, another piece of perfect storytelling right there, too. I love that. And, um, th again, we'd be remiss not to mention here that this is also the episode where good old Double J, Jeff, J Jeff Jarrett, comes out. And he uh, he has this, again, because this, this episode is building up to, this episode of Talking Taker is building up to Jeff Jarrett and, talk, and, and Undertaker here. And this is where Jarrett comes out and he cuts a, I guess, quote-unquote shoot promo. I mean, I've heard various interviews with him and with Russo saying that you know, they had some bullet points that, you know, of what he wanted to say, but he was, you know, asked to kind of give his own opinions about stuff. And um, he basically just, you know, berates, he buries, you know, WCW and Bischoff and Steve McMichael and Deborah, which is funny because about a year from now, he'll be, you know, she'll be his uh, valet, right? Right. <laughs> <Deborah> yeah. <and> <laughs> I thought that was funny so too. I thought, yeah. 
But um, and he you know he starts burying Vincent Mann and Doink, and then he has a comment about Ahmed Johnson that I don't know if we can repeat. But uh, you put me with a clown, a drug addict, a black man who can't even speak the English language. Vince, you tried to bury me and you tried to kill me off, but you didn't get the job done. And then he, he does he does something here, though, that I, I have heard an interview with Russo, and he said that this was not on script. And this is what got Steve Austin angry at him is when he says, you know, you came out here and you got over by just, you know, saying cuss words. You know, great, great job. You know, anybody can say cuss words and get over. Um, but you'll always be the ringmaster to me. And he said, in Austin 316 offends me because you're ripping off the Bible and that's heresy. Um, and so he comes out, and Jeff Jarrett makes his, I guess – Kind of a memorable introduction or reintroduction, maybe, but this apparently was what got him in hot water with Steve Austin, who never wanted to work with him again, <laughs> allegedly. So yeah, uh, interesting. It, it's uh, it it's interesting. It's not very good. Like it's no. just. I know he's trying to be real here, but it it comes off so unnatural and so forced, where he's trying to do this quote unquote shoot type stuff, and it's just not what he does best no jeff jarrett's actually better at being over the top and being the ain't i great kind of guy like this stuff it felt like he didn't want to be out there trying to do this sort of stuff and it you know uh it's going to continue here and it just does not work right exactly so again he doesn't mention undertaker at all all the guys he calls out and dumps on he doesn't even mention undertaker he talks about brett and sean and sean's a guy who can wrestle once a week and uh you know make a living and and gives hand gestures to his boys in atlanta and all kinds of stuff like that so again he's he's shooting but yeah you're right he's, he doesn't feel comfortable in it he's not cm punk he's not stone cold he's not uh he, bret hart even you know bret hart wasn't known for his promos but we've seen the last few months here as we've been recovering that He's got some good stuff, you know? He really does. Um, shoot or not. But anyway, Jarrett tries, and this is your reintroduction to Jeff Jarrett in the WWF. Because, again, I think six days earlier or seven days earlier, he was on Nitro um, the week before. so Or two weeks maybe before. I think the week before on Nitro, they had kind of dumped on him and sent him <laughs> off. But I think two weeks ago, he was he was on Nitro, which is kind of neat. We'll see, some, we'll see the reverse of that in a few minutes, too. Yeah, we will. Uh, let's keep going through this. You know, the next week uh, is Raw 231 on October 27th, 1997. There's more stuff with, with Dude Love and Man- or, well, Mankind and Kane. Right. Mankind is trying to get Sergeant Slaughter to allow him to fight Kane, and Sergeant Slaughter doesn't want to, so Mankind puts the Mandible Claw on Slaughter. Then he decides to make the match official for Survivor Series, Kane and Paul Bear come out to talk about it and you know paul bear he's just still cutting great promos here uh but i think you said you had something you wanted to mention about this particular episode oh i just it's not even related to anything we're talking about but it's it's the opening it's okay the opening of this show it's got the nation and domination the heart foundation and dx all feuding which one of those are the faces (laughs) they're all three heel stables yeah all three of them and it's a good thing that everybody has, uh, you know, something to do. But I was like, but the crowd's not, I mean, they're into it, but not as much as if you'd had a big, you know, a baby face there. It's just weird. It was just very strange to me. Out of all this good stuff we've been talking about and covering, I was just, I remember just watching this, you know, recently, and I was just like, man, what a strange way to, you know, there's no, it's all heat there. You know, there's, it's just weird. It's weird psychology. It, so, it just goes know. to show you the evolution of the business that we've been talking about, these shades of gray, and it's not this typical baby face and heel anymore. Everyone kind of has their own morality, and they have their own reasons for doing things, and it it works in a way, and it's also confusing in a way, and (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. We're going to see The Undertaker and Kane fall into that as well here for a few weeks where you don't know who to cheer and why they're, you know, what exactly... What is a babyface and what is a heel anymore? Um, I'll tell you who is a heel is whoever put The Rock in one of the worst t-shirts I've ever seen of all time on this episode. He comes out, he's got a black shirt with just a giant white R on the front of his chest. That's it. (laughs) That's the whole shirt. It's like the the B-teams shirts, sort of, that they have now. Except it's not supposed to be bad. 
I got nothing to say about that, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got something to say. Episode 232, we, we got a new segment I want to roll out that should have rolled it out a long time ago. Now, I got an official name for this segment. It's going to be called... Hold on. I do have... All right, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. No, you got it. I apologize. I apologize. We'll no, come back. I had something to say about last week. I, I, meant, I meant I had something to say about Rock. Sure, I apologize. I do have something to say again. It involves Jeff Jarrett on episode 231 of Raw that we just talked about. I apologize. Um, um, again, this... Kane, or I'm sorry, Jeff Jarrett has a quote-unquote shoot interview again with JR. It's like a sit-down interview. He talks about walking out on WWF two years ago, and um, he says something interesting here, which kind of, I don't know if I agree with it or not. Let's see what you you think. He says that WCW doesn't count your actual in-ring ability. The WWF has action from bell to bell, and WCW has their top six wrestlers, and they're all over 40 years old. And, um... I just thought about, and it's, it is a common criticism of um, WCW nowadays, but I didn't sit around there was such criticism at the time, but it's just interesting that, like, there's been constant WCW bashing, bashing for, like, a straight month on Raw, whether it's the Cornette shoot interviews or even on commentary. Um, they've cut down Nash and stuff, and I, I just, I don't know, it's just strange. It was strange to me. And then Jeff Jarrett's coming in back and doing all this, you know, shoot stuff on WCW. It's just kind of like, they're very desperate, the World Wrestling Federation is at this point. Desperate's a good word for it, and I think, you know, the way that WWE likes to rewrite history, they'll say, oh, we, we didn't really care about Bret Hart leaving. It wasn't that big a deal. Right. You know, we, we wanted him gone, and we weren't, you know, he wasn't drawing for us, and all this sort of stuff. All these things that people say 20 years later. But, yeah, exactly. They're on the defensive here, and they're very yeah. much you know, trying to bash WCW as much as they can. And, you know, it it works. Yeah, they it, they oh, yeah. end up overtaking them, you know, within six months of all of this happening. Yep. But they, I think they were definitely very much upset. They were very much afraid. They were very much on the defensive at this point. Well, I agree, and I'll tell you what, something that I'm upset and, and afraid about is I think where you were headed with, <laughs> where you were headed to, and what you were saying before I cut you off. So please tell us about your new segment that you would like to talk about. New segment. Afraid of. I think it, and I think it's what, you're, what I think it is. That I, new segment that I want to launch. This week <laughs> in the cheek, we finally get to talk one more time against about the cheek himself Ahmed Johnson who's coming out to have a face off with Stone Cold Steve Austin in you know another match that I wish we could have really a feud a Wrestlemania worthy feud by all means but he's gonna cross paths with The Undertaker uh, The Undertaker's Ken because Kane's gonna come out and give Ahmed a choke slam and two tombstones so sadly that's going to be it for this week in the Cheek. Well, I enjoyed everybody episode this week in the Cheek. I laughed my head off. I apologize, listeners, if that was really loud. This man, Ahmed, he's so fantastic. He's going to give us some good, uh, some good stuff coming up. And talk about, again, a good run of bad luck. We talk about with this poor guy. He's got something horrible coming up that's going to happen to him. Oh, my in real goodness. Life. Yeah. <laughs> well, ju- yeah, we'll just talk about it. A few weeks later... He, the, he's on Raw, and they show that his SUV or whatever overturned yeah. on the highway, did, like, flips, and he, he barely survived it, man. Like, this guy has had the worst yeah. year ever, 1997, <laughs> man. Well, you know what? We're reaping the benefits. It's just entertaining as heck. <laughs> you know, I just figured out why he was able to survive that wreck. Oh, yeah? Why that? It probably Because he had all his pad, I- pads on. Exactly, exactly. Who needs a seatbelt when you have pads on your neck, your arms, your forearms, your fingers, your shoulders, your back, your triceps, everything, man. Exactly right. <laughs> but I think this is Survivor Series, though, which, again, we're, oh, nothing big happens at Survivor Series night seven. Just kidding. It's pretty much a major show, the t- turning point in all of wrestling history at Survivor Series night seven, but... Regarding our boy, the Undertaker, um, he doesn't. Nothing happens with him there, but his brother Kane does get his first official, I guess, 
since that one earlier didn't count. His first official win over Mankind here. And um, it's just, yeah, crazy things happened that night. Everyone knows about the screw job. Um, allegedly, depending on who you listen to or talk to, Undertaker was sitting at gorilla position or he was not. He was backstage somewhere. He had his two cents about what happened. We don't really know. We don't have any insider information about that. But um, his name always comes up when when you talk about the uh, screw job, though. Yeah, The Undertaker, oddly enough, not on Survivor Series, which has been, you know, he's had a presence at, I think, every Survivor Series show that uh, since he uh, debuted at the Survivor Series. It's kind of like his signature pay-per-view, so it's it's odd that he's not there. And, yeah, you can listen to, you know, podcasts by Bruce Pritchard and Vince Russo and, uh, you know, literally everyone else that was around at that time uh, about what happened about the Montreal screw job, you'll often hear, you know, there's debates over where Undertaker was. Was he at catering? Was he at, uh, at, at in the locker room? Was he at Gorilla? I don't know. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know that we'll ever know exactly what happened backstage that night because it seems like every single person has sort of a different story about what happened from Bret Hart to Shawn Michaels to... Triple H to the to Vince McMahon to Bruce Pritchard to everybody. Everyone's got something different to say about it, and the truth is somewhere in the middle of this big circle. But you know, clearly the Undertaker he did not win this Survivor Series Super Supper sweepstakes, or else you know he would have had a bigger presence there on the show. <laughs> oh man, I wish I'd do that again. Oh, me too. Win a dinner with Stone Cold. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That'd be great. But uh, be fantastic. Since the Undertaker's not on Survivor Series, uh, I did do a little bit of research on what he was doing this entire month, uh, where he was uh, since he wasn't on any of these episodes of Raw, aside from one backstage promo. And a couple really interesting things popped up. Is that one? Uh, and this is a lot of people have seen this on YouTube, and I think Bruce Pritchard talked about it on something to wrestle at, at one point is this is when Undertaker goes over to Tokyo and does a match for Mishinoku Pro wrestling against Hakushi. And he's managed, not by Brother Love, but managed by Bruce Prichard in this match. And it's kind of a fascinating thing to see. Yeah, I remember when they covered that on Something to Wrestle and then going back and watching it uh, on YouTube or Daily Motion or something. And then I didn't didn't put the pieces together that that was right here. So, um, yeah, very cool, man. That's where it's at. That's for a shoot where he was. He was over there. Yeah. Across the pond, too. Wow, that's cool. He also does uh, some matches against Bret Hart on some house shows and even has some dark matches after the episodes of Raw. Um, A couple other neat little things is that Kane fought Vader on some of these house shows leading up to Survivor Series. And so I guess, you know, we've all seen those pictures of Kane wearing the cape. uh, that was never made it to TV, but there's pictures at house shows of Kane coming out uh, in a cape. So I assume it was some of these matches against Vader on these house shows. Uh, they also ran some towns like Evansville, Indiana, and Lexington, Kentucky. What's up? And the matches on top for those shows were Bret Hart versus Jerry the King Lawler. So I guess they were doing those one last oh, time before man. Bret left the territory, which I thought was pretty neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And we got to yeah, give a shout out. Great to be there. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, Are you about to shout out Will Pokey's little dog here? Yeah, yeah. Since uh, you always talk about wanting to hear about our fans who were at these shows, Randy Turco at Pokey's Little Dog on Twitter was not at Survivor Series, but he was at the house show, the night before Survivor Series. So he got to see Bret Hart's very last house show match. That match was Bret Hart and the Bulldog against Taker and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Apparently it was supposed to be... Wow. uh, Well, actually, it looks like... I'm looking at his program here. He's got it all marked up. I think it was Undertaker, Stone Cold, and Mankind filling in for Dude Love against uh, <laughs> Bret Hart, British Bulldog, and the Anvil, who was filling in for Owen Hart. So uh, the Undertaker's team got the win there. But, yeah, pretty neat. Uh, Randy says it was his first time seeing Undertaker live, and it was weird to think that Bret knew this was his last 24 hours in the WWF. 
and that the yeah. uh, Wrestling with Shadows crew was there filming, <coughs> and that meanwhile in Montreal, HPK, Vince, and Pat Patterson are allegedly meeting to discuss Sunday's finish while this match is taking <laughs> place. So, pretty neat. Yeah, that's a really cool bit of history right there. Thanks, Randy, for uh, giving us that information. But yeah, we do. I do love to hear from you guys that have been there and seen this stuff, or, and we like to hear on social media your reactions to this kind of stuff or your memories because it's fun to go back and, and do this. That's why we're doing this. So that will wrap up everything for Survivor Series. Like we said, we, we can't add much to it. You know, it's just... It, it, it's one of the most chaotic periods in wrestling history. It's one of the most chaotic years. If you look back at 97 with all the many different things that have changed and, and just... You know, it, it, this Montreal Screwjob... It continues the chaos. It sets the the next month is uh, is going to be. I feel like they're they're booking all this stuff on the fly. They're just trying. They're probably rewriting a lot of stuff. Things are changing. Some of the guy the the uh, locker room is in disarray at times. And you know the Undertaker is there as just the stability. He, he's the uh, the cornerstone of the Federation while yep. everything else is changing. While everyone else leaves. People get injured. People are dying and overdosing on drugs. The Undertaker is there, and he's steady. And um, it just, you know, goes to show his uh, the strength of him and his character uh, as a real life human being and as a professional wrestling character. Yeah, absolutely. And um, speaking of that, you're talking about book on the fly. I, th- I guarantee you, they were at this point because in your house they just keep calling it in your house and then eventually they call it in your house degeneration x because it's not until the night after um uh, excuse me survivor series here that we get the new dx music and their intro video and all that but i was gonna say you said their book on the fly they were they made this set for this pay-per-view like the day of it seems like it's so bad we'll talk about that when we actually get to the actual pay-per-view the entrance way looks so much so so bad so bad well, uh, something else that was bad, uh, right after Survivor Series on Raw, episode 233, uh, The Undertaker appears in the ring for the first time since Bad Blood, and we get the rematch the world has been waiting for, Undertaker against Kama. One more time. Oh, the supreme fighting machine. <laughs> yeah, we were just dying to see that again. Uh, of course, Kane and Paul Bear do interrupt here, and we get another face-to-face between these two men. Paul Bear is you know, cutting you know, incredible promos. Well, we can't say that enough. Uh, once again, you know, poking the bear, uh, trying to get Undertaker to fight him uh, yet again. Uh, but Paul, uh, Undertaker yeah. denies him again. Yeah, and he, he cuts off the promo and goes, Dead man? Yes, you, zombie. <laughs> oh, so good. And then um, he calls, he says that there's, you know, you must face Kane one-on-one, no interference, no excuses, so Kane can prove to your leeches of the night that he's superior. So um, I just thought that was cool. Taking a little a little shot at the creatures of the night, using the leeches of the night. So that could be a t-shirt one day. We'll see. I agree. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Taker comes back with again. We know he's been um, he's been up uh, accused of murder, and uh, we don't know the verdict's still out on that. Well, actually not because I guess Kane alive, but um, he could have murdered his parents. But uh, he also here he threatens to just rip out Paul Bear's throat. Oh, you need to shut up before I come up that ramp and rip your throat out. <laughs> Is that what he's trying to do when he choke slams people? Is he actually trying to rip out their throat? Probably. Maybe he's watching more, playing more combat a lot or something. I don't know. It was big at this time. So, but he says that uh, this ain't the place, and that bulbous figure is an infectious disease that's poisoned your mind, Kane. Uh, he says behind that mask of evil is my brother, and there's something good left in you. And come not as my enemy, but as my brother, and stand beside me. I will never fight you. So again. It's uh, almost like, it reminded me at this point, I wrote my notes, that it's like Thor and Loki from the uh, ah. Avengers movies, kind of. That's you know, a great like, comparison. Like that love, there's that love that Thor has for Loki because he's like his half-brother or whatnot, but like Loki's also despicable, but he also has part of a good side, and we'll kind of see that 
that um, you know, as we, as we compare that to the com- to comic books here, we'll, we'll see that story play out a lot more. And I just, to me, it just jumped out when I saw this promo. It really reminded me of Thor and Loki. I love that. That's perfect. Perfect way to describe this evolution of the Undertaker's character, and that's going to play an important part here. The Undertaker wanting to work with Kane instead of fight him. Uh, the next couple, next couple weeks here, uh, the Kane again continues his path of destruction as the uh, he interrupts a minis match, uh, and they all go and hide behind the commentary desk. But the uh, luckily the headbangers are there to save the minis as they attack Kane and break a boombox over his head. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous! I don't get it, man. And did you think the special ref was for this match too? Uh, was it Sunny? Yeah, it was Sunny. So you got you got six mini luchadors. You got Sunny, and then the headbangers come out and break a boombox. Talk about like a job squad, man! A lot going um, on. Yeah, I love when they bring Sonny out for the mini matches and for the cruiserweight matches, just like because they know these guys yeah. ain't getting over. We got to give them something to <laughs> pop the crowd. <laughs> Let's give them something to talk about. Exactly. Um, but this is also an episode that you guys um, listening at home uh, or in your car or wherever on your you know uh, podcast app that you guys might remember not for this match probably sadly, but you might remember it because of this is the night that Rick Rude magically appears live um, on Raw. I, mean, I put live in quotes here on Raw and actually live on Monday Nitro on the same night. So pretty epic night to remember here. Yeah, like we said, this is just something every single week seemingly with something historic on there. This also has the famous interview where Vince utters the lines that Brett screwed Brett. You know, that that yep. famous interview where he's got a black eye as he's given the interview here yeah. uh, you know it's all historic stuff it doesn't have to do with the undertaker really but you know it's incredible one, one of the you know milestone moments in wwf history so that happens the next week raw 235 uh the, this is where the jeff jarrett undertaker f- stuff really actually starts to start building in a sense Finally. yeah yeah jeff jarrett is scheduled to make his Debut. They keep calling it his wrestling debut, even though he was in the company for three years two before years this. Yeah, yeah. He was there two years ago. Yeah. He's scheduled to face Crush, but Jeff Jarrett says he's not going to come out. He doesn't like the conditions he's been given in his locker room. He doesn't have sparkling water and all this sort of stuff. I, I really don't understand this whole character. He's supposed to be. He's like a free agent who's just dissatisfied. Yeah. With everything, uh, I almost feel like it's sort of trying to play on Bret Hart somehow, trying to be a rib on him, but it's just not going that well. I don't really know. But so instead of Jeff Jarrett, yeah, uh, instead of Jarrett fighting Crush, Kane comes out and attacks Crush and destroys him and puts him out of action for a while. Well, do you know (laughs) the two things I want to say here is uh, Double J keeps calling Crush Kane. The whole time yeah. doing this promo, like I'm not going out there to fight Kane, and I don't think that was supposed to be. <laughs> it, it looks like he just forgot because commentary is like this is actually Crush. But do you know where? Um, so Kane comes out and attacks him, and he he chokes slams and tombstones Crush. Um, later on, we you know we get to hear Kane's character segment, you know, choke slam you to hell and all this stuff. Do you know where he choke slams Crush to? Where? WCW. <laughs> he actually went down to Atlanta the next week. <laughs> yeah. This is his last WWF uh, appearance at this point until 2001 when he returns with the Invasion storyline, which we'll get to. We'll get to him again. But, yeah, he choke slams him all the way to what some people would call hell would be Atlanta. I'm just kidding. But uh, the WWF <laughs> would call that hell. Yeah, they would. WCW, that's their opponent. So, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. A little note there. <laughs> I did not realize that. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird, man. Weird stuff here. So finally, the go-home show to Degeneration X in your house, Raw episode 236. Kane comes out and attacks, of all people, Scott Taylor, the future Scotty Too Hottie this time. Again, continues to promise that he's going to keep doing this until he faces The Undertaker. This week in the cheek, Jeff Jarrett is scheduled to wrestle Ahmed Johnson, and this is the episode where we find out that Ahmed Johnson's car rolled over three times before he yeah. got to the arena. 
Uh, the king says, it's a good thing he didn't drive into here like Stone Cold did earlier in the show, which is <laughs> good lord, man. That's right, because Stone Cold drove into the arena that night in a pickup truck. I <laughs> um. uh, and Jeff Jarrett says he's not going to wrestle Ahmed. They're, they're uh, dropping the ball with bringing Jeff Jarrett out. They're not promoting him well enough. They're not meeting his contract stipulations that he refuses to wrestle someone like Ahmed Johnson. Kind of racist, a little bit. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, oh wow, whoops. Sergeant Slaughter comes out and says, "Okay, you're not going to wrestle Crush. You're not going to wrestle Ahmed Johnson. You want a top-notch opponent at in your house? I'll give it to you. And if you don't wrestle him there, you'll be suspended." I guess I should prepare you for who you have to wrestle this Sunday, so you can get ready for that star-quality, top-notch opponent you want. So this Sunday, Jeff Jarrett. Your opponent will be The Undertaker! Oh my! Jared! And the Undertaker did something! No way! In order! This is some kind of smart! Jared doesn't like this! Which is just weird, you know? Like, (laughs) first of all, Sergeant Slaughter's not doing a very good job because Kane is going through and destroying his entire roster, and all he wants is a match with The Undertaker. So instead, Sergeant exactly. Slaughter gives Jeff Jarrett a match with The Undertaker. Come on, man. It, it doesn't make any, like, you know, kayfabe sense at all. No. But um, I tell you what, though, it has been a good pop from the crowd because they're excited. They know that that's impending doom for Double J. You know, so that, that's that's good. But, yeah, you're right. All, all Slaughter has to do to, you know, get some... Uh, get everybody's faculties back together was just say, okay, take her, you have to wrestle Kane, and he'll stop destroying everyone on the roster. So. <laughs> uh, whatever. So, And that's anyway. it. You that know, brings, that, yeah, yeah, that's the build. The D-Generation X in your house, which happens on uh, December 7th, 97, in Springfield, um, Massachusetts, home of the Simpsons. I'm just kidding. They're just in Springfield, wherever. Exactly. Um, it's at the Springfield Civic Center, which... You can tell it's at like a 6,000-seat arena. Oh, man, it's tiny. Place. Yeah. But I tell you what, man. Uh, go do yourselves a favor, ladies and gentlemen. And when you are listening to this, you know, we recommend you watch all these matches um, most of the time just you know, as fans of these, except for the ones that really suck. And I'll say this one sucks. Um, also, skip everything else on the entire show, um, except for maybe Rock and Austin. This is their first pay-per-view match yeah. that they have. And, yeah. uh as we know, they went on to do a couple good things in their careers. <laughs> so, you could say that. This, but this pay-per-view has eight matches on it. Do you know how many in disqualification? Let me guess. Um, five? Four. Okay. Yeah, four of them in DQ. And then uh, Austin and Rock might as well have been in DQ. I mean... There's so much outside interference and D-Lo going through the front windshield of the of the truck and all that. But, um, yeah, four out of eight matches in disqualification. So, um, again, for all the good stuff Russo helps book, there's this kind of stuff as well. So um, It just goes to show, like we said, the whole company is just kind of in chaos right now. They're just booking on the fly. <laughs> A lot of the stuff that happens on this show – doesn't really matter. It's just kind of there because they have a show. They got a pay per view. They got to fill up. So it's just, it's all very strange. Including this match, they uh, try to build to it a little bit more on the free for all show beforehand. There's just a little segment. Jeff Jarrett comes out and cuts a promo, tells the people it's going to be their honor, their pleasure to witness Jeff Jarrett uh, and Undertaker. That he, Jeff Jarrett says, Undertaker, you're <clears throat> sorry. Jeff Jarrett says, Undertaker, after tonight, there'll be no hard feelings between us, and you'll have nothing to be ashamed of, because you'll just be added to the long list of opponents I've defeated. And the then the bell tolls, and Undertaker has his line that you liked from last month. He tells Jeff Jarrett, Hey, boy. I only hope there's someone the there to catch the falling star before he crashes to the ground. Jeff Jarrett. Welcome back to the WWF. And oh, what sights I have to show you. <laughs> Weird promo. Wow. That's a strange promo from him. I didn't 
Yeah, I didn't see that free for all. I didn't realize there was something on the free for all. That's very cool. I like the opening of that though. Hey boy. Hey boy. But yeah, what a strange, what a strange promo. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I don't know. Jeff Jarrett cuts another bad promo before the match, too. It's just, I'm yeah. just not yeah. feeling this character. I'm not feeling this outfit. Uh, I'm not feeling his you music as feeling? he comes out. Exactly. I thought it was an overdub. I thought they had like lost the rights to his music on the network and had to overdub it. But no, it's his actual music. And it has him like saying these quotes you know, during, the, during his entrance. It is so bad. I mean, it is, it made me miss, um, oh my goodness, with my baby tonight so much. And even his Kid Rock ripoff from uh, WCW. Yeah, I wish they would overdub it with one of those things. I mean, anything I but this. And this is, you know, yeah. the, a lot of people remember the, the Aztec warrior, that's what they call it online a lot, outfit for Jeff Jarrett. It's, yeah. you know, it's better than his old, I've never understood his country music outfit. Like, I've nope. never understood that as a wrestling attire. Like, what, what in the world that is, what that outfit is. But this one's not a whole lot better. Yeah, his, you know, his jacket stuff is not better at all. It's terrible. But somebody who has a great jacket is the undertaker he comes out next again we get the classic entrance the announcers um they lay out at first like you you, you know you always mention how they give him respect and they lay out but they do come back in once the lights come back on um you know he, he raises the light and there's that big boom and everything and um they talk about you know the amount of stress that he's under you know is he gonna be focused on jeff jarrett Again, there's not really a personal issue here but you know he's been sidetracked with his brother as we've recapped for the last 35 minutes or whatever. Um, you know, he's been sidetracked. He's playing head games with his brother. And um, is he going to be able to defeat Jeff Jarrett here tonight? Which, again, I thought for have, for a match having no build, that's good storytelling and, and, and covering on the commentary's part right there. That's about the only good thing that happens here. This is just a weird styles clash. I know they fought each other before. They fought each other on, I think, an episode of Raw back in 95 or something like that. But, you know... The crowd is just dead because Sergeant Slaughter and Triple H wrestled for about two hours before this, in the oh, longest match word. I've ever seen. It it yeah. Undertaker looks like he's wrestling a cruiserweight. Man, Jeff Jarrett just looks tiny next to the Undertaker, and it's just that and nothing happens. They're just stalling for time until Kane comes out, pretty much. Yeah, and. But there's there's a bright spot here, um, in the in the and it's on the commentary again with Jr. He, again, I failed to mention that earlier. You know, Jeff Jarrett has his, these like lines in his his horrible theme song. It's you know lines like "Just ask me, I'm the best," and or "Who's the best around here? I am." And just all these like hokey quotes. And then when Undertaker's music hits, uh, uh, Jr. says, "Now this is the man," you know, right here and. He goes on and he's kind of, you know, blowing smoke up Undertaker's backside here too during the match because he has a quote here that just kind of, um, it sums up the, everything we've been trying to say here and talking Taker. Um, it's kind of the, uh, a theme, uh, a theme for our entire podcast. He's, and JR says this on commentary, all the great legends in WWF history, I don't think any will ever surpass that man, the Undertaker, of all of them. Everybody that claims to be an icon and claims to be something special, and maybe they were in their day, but none will ever surpass the Undertaker in my view. Man, how about that? You know, he's yeah. Jr. agrees with us, man, and he sees it even at this point, even just seven years into his run. There, it's just evident of how important that's he the, is. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make to you. I'm glad you said that. It's only seven years, dude. Seven years after he's debuted in the WWF, and 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 Jr's making that co- you know comment, it's that's incredible. You could tell from back then that he was going to be who he who, who he is today. It's amazing. Well, it's a good thing that he could tell that at that point because this match, if this was the only one you ever saw, it wouldn't be all that evident. Like we said, you know, there's. <laughs> We don't really even need to do play-by-play for it. It's it's like the standard first five minutes of an Undertaker match. Uh, I think, how long does it go, actually, technically? Uh, the actual match, so when we get the, the uh, DQ at the end, it's, it's six minutes and 54 seconds, technically, okay. I guess, uh, you know, speaking. But, it's, you know, 
not much happens for that. It's you know you get the old school, you get choking in the corner, and then Jarrett goes in Bret Hart mode, and he he does everything Bret Hart did in this huh. matches. Yeah. He does the chop block. He works the knee. So you mentioned earlier, maybe his gimmick is he's you know being a parody of Bret Hart uh, on on you know on the mic. Well, maybe he was you know maybe this maybe uh, maybe he really was because here he's working the knee. He's doing every single move that Bret Hart did when he worked uh, Undertaker's legs. I thought that was interesting. Undertaker's able to take back over after all that, uh, gets a leg drop and a two count, and that's when the lights go out, Kane's music hits, the flames go off. JR says Kane is walking straight down Main Street through the gates of hell uh, to the ring. Just That's a classic JR line right there. Uh, but here Kane gets in the ring, uh, he's, try- he's staring down Undertaker, and then Jarrett is yelling at Kane, telling him to beat up Undertaker, trying to direct traffic in there. So Kane turns around, chokeslams Jeff Jarrett, and because of that, Jeff Jarrett beats The Undertaker. Yep. In the record books, it shows Jeff Jarrett does win over The Undertaker by DQ, but hey, it's a win, you know? Unbelievable. Which means Undertaker has lost, is this the fourth match in a row that we've covered that he's lost? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think so. Well, I think Ground Zero was just a double, you know, no oh, contest yeah, or something. But yeah, I mean, he lost, lost SummerSlam. He lost uh, uh, one night only. He lost at Ground Zero. Bad Blood. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, Bad Blood, not Ground Zero. Uh, yeah, and now yeah. this. Yeah, you're, I think you're right. Wow, that's crazy. To think about where this his storyline is headed too. Yeah, he's gonna get a title shot after all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, then something Jr. has a terrible line here because Undertaker and Kane are staring each other down, and Jr. says they're looking face to face for the first time in years and years. It, you know, <laughs> except for the last month where they've looked each other face to face twice. Besides that, yeah, yeah he's right. Exactly. That's that's what I alluded to earlier when I said, remember that line that Jr. said because yeah, it's not right. You know, he said it at Bad Blood and he says it in the Raw the night after, and here it is a month and a half later. He's saying it again. It's like, come on, man. For all the good stuff we've said about Jr.'s commentary, that is kind of a you know sinker there. Yeah. But um, but they do put over. You mentioned when Kane came out at Bad Blood, he's got some lifts in his shoes, and they put over how much bigger he is than Undertaker. You know, he's actually bigger than him, and um. There's this long stare down between the two. Um, and Kane just slaps Undertaker across the face. Um, you know, he's goading him into fighting him, and, and Undertaker won't at this point. And he does the, you know, he raises his arms and does the fire from the ring post, and, and Kane and Paul Bearer leave. You know, that's it. So it's kind of, it's more of an angle than a match. Really. It is, yeah. It's more of a tease for something else, continuing to build the tension between the two, continue to show, and Kane pushing it further, actually. Doing more physical contact on the Undertaker, trying to provoke him into a match, but Taker won't do it. Uh, Undertaker gets his heat back a little bit as Jarrett attacks him after Kane walks away. Tries to do the figure four, but Undertaker sticks that hand up, wraps the goozle around Jarrett, choke slams him, and, and nearly drops him on his head as he's choke slamming him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Taker's music gets to play there, but Taker looks. Confused and upset as he's walking away. He does not look satisfied. He doesn't r- look like he really knows how to handle this whole situation. Yeah, I think Jr. calls him heartbroken. He says he's yeah. heartbroken, which again I thought was a perfect, like perfect word to use there. And, and Jr. says again, he says no one is no one that has ever laid a hand on Taker. And, and, excuse me, let me start over. He says no one has ever laid a hand on Undertaker and not paid for it until tonight. So. Again, just showing the difference. Like we said, his character is evolving, is changing. Um, you know, he doesn't want to fight his brother. You know, but he, he actually physically provoked him tonight here at the Generation X in your house. And he doesn't want to fight back, though. But he's right. I mean, everyone that's ever provoked him and poked the bear has gotten their comeuppance, you know. This one's going to take a little bit longer. It will take a little bit longer. but And that's that'll be on another episode of Talking Taker as we continue this journey through uh, The Undertaker's last ride, uh, whenever that may be. Uh, we still don't know. Yeah, we thought we knew. To, yeah, he's going to Madison Square Garden next month, I think, right? So yeah. Who knows? Who knows <laughs> what we'll see next. Uh, but 
no more Jeff Jarrett, I don't think. We'll ever see that again. Uh, even though, like I say, he gets announced as the winner and gets his hand raised here and struts away. One of the weirder losses on the Undertaker's pay-per-view record right up there with, with Mabel at King of the Ring 95, I think. But uh, we'll see oh, if we get any other weird ones as we go along this journey. Uh, we hope that you'll continue along with us and... You know, you can follow uh, along with everything at Talking Taker on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Of course, if you don't know by now, you need to connect with us on all those because we're posting incredible stuff throughout the week. Uh, Really building up these shows. Uh, We're giving you the promos, stuff that's not on the WWE Network. We're throwing out there on social media. Uh, I'm digging through my old collection of WWF magazines and, and putting some pictures of some interesting stuff in there. The old pay-per-view coverage from those I think is really fun to go look at. So go follow us there. Of course, subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service. uh, We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube as well. If that's how you want to take it in, we love to connect with people. We love to hear from you, from your memories of all these shows. And let me just say, this, this wraps up 1997 for us. If you thought 1997 was good, get ready for 1998. It's going to be, in a lot of ways, it's going to be the year of Kane. We're going to get four Kane matches, I think, next year, one-on-one, plus a triple threat involving Kane. But we're also getting, that means we're getting the Inferno match, the very first one. We're going to cover Undertaker and Shawn Michaels in a very, very famous casket match. We're going to cover Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin on pay-per-view for the first time, multiple times. And, oh yeah, just a little other sort of famous match from King of the Ring 1998 where the Undertaker (laughs) steps into the ring with Mankind yet again. But this time, it's under the hell in a cell. We've got so much coming up on our next few episodes and if you're not locked in and subscribed what are you doing you gotta jump in and join us along for this journey don't be a leech be a creature exactly <laughs> we'll have we'll have the audio fixed by next episode too we hope so apologies for that um but yeah stick along with us we'll get this stuff worked out and again this is a fun episode uh a lot of good stuff here so again if you were there in springfield massachusetts at the springfield civic center we would like to know. Um, send us a shout-out, send us a tweet, send us a picture, send us something. Thank you again, Randy, for uh, for sending us that ticket stuff and everything you had there from the night before Survivor Series. Really cool stuff. So we love all our fans, and we appreciate what you guys do for us and listening. Again, we're just a couple marks doing this for the heck of it, and we're glad that anybody but our own selves download us. <laughs> anyway, um, ladies and gentlemen, after all that, we got two words for you. Take your easy. Every time you look around, you're going to see your brother behind you. Every time you close your eyes to go to sleep, you're going to remember that terrible night, the fire. Oh, yes, the fire. Undertaker, welcome to your worst nightmare. <laughs>